This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. This episode is sponsored by the Morovich family in honor of the wedding of Michal and Yitzchak. Shalom Aleichem, my sweetest friends. I'm recording the podcast this week on Chai Elul, the 18th day of the Hebrew month of Elul, which for Hasidim, especially Chabad Hasidim, this is a very significant day. Because on Chai Elul, the great rabbi, the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov, was born in 1698, and 36 years later, the Baal Shem Tov revealed himself to the world and began teaching Hasidus. was also on the 18th of Elul that the great Rebbe, Reb Shneir Zalman of Liadi, who was known as the Alter Rebbe, the first Rebbe of Chabad, was born. The Baal Shem Tov and the Alter Rebbe were born on the same day. And the Alter Rebbe considered himself the Baal Shem Tov's spiritual grandson. And there's, of course, a story about how the Alter Rebbe's parents didn't have children and got a bracha, a blessing from the Baal Shem Tov. And the son that was born to them was Shner Zalman. Shner meaning two lights, the light of the Baal Shem Tov and the light of their son. So in honor of this great day, I'm going to tell two stories, Bezat Hashem, one of the Baal Shem Tov, and the other of Reb Shneir Zalman. But this is a story that I told in episode 8, and it's one of my favorite Baal Shem Tov stories. And I figured now that we're in episode 237, it's time to retell one of those good old stories. The Heliga Baal Shem Tov had a chassid whose name was Herschel, and Herschel decided that he wanted to become a sorcerer. He wanted to learn black magic. Now that might seem like a strange thing to you, my sweetest friends. Black magic, does such a thing even exist? But there's a very interesting story about the Alter Rebbe. I'm sure as you know, there was a war between Napoleon and the Tsar of Russia. And the rabbis at the time were split. Who was going to support the Tsar and who was going to support Napoleon? The Tsar oppressed the Jews, he was an anti-Semite. And so most of the rabbis supported Napoleon, who wanted to give the Jews rights. But the Alter Rebbe decided to support the Tsar over Napoleon. There's many stories of this, but one story is that the Alter Rebbe truly believed that Napoleon had the ability to use black magic. So much so that the Alter Rebbe had his own house burned down. Because Napoleon was constantly chasing after the Alter Rebbe, trying to tap into his spiritual energy. Because as we know, it's Zelu Matzeasa, Hashem created juxtaposing energies, good and evil. And evil energy gets its energy from the positive spiritual energy. And so the Alter Rebbe had his house burned down so that Napoleon wouldn't be able to get a hold of anything and draw sustenance from it. Apparently there was a slipper that escaped. But the Alter Rebbe fled Napoleon, and as he was fleeing from the cold, he died and was buried in Hadditch. So if you think that black magic is some science fiction, imaginary thing, apparently for the Alter Rebbe, it was real. And also for the Baal Shem Tov. Because when he heard that his Hasid Herschel wanted to become a sorcerer, and had befriended a group of non-Jews who were going to teach him whatever black magic there was, the Baal Shem Tov decided that he was going to help his chassid, and he invited him to spend one last Shabbos with the great Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov said to him, Herschel, listen, you're going to leave Judaism, you're going to leave the Hasidim here, but at least spend one more tish with me, one more Friday night. And so it was Friday night, 
and Herschel went to the davening. And after the davening, he went to the Hedega Baal Shem Tov's house. It was, of course, freezing outside because it was winter. But inside the house, it was very warm. And Herschel was standing towards the back of the house, near the door of the house. And the Rebbe was way inside the house. And all the Hasidim were filling in the room and starting to pack the space. Literally, you could barely squeeze into the house. And Herschel starts to feel a little warm. And the Baal Shem Tov notices that Herschel is sweating in the back of the house. He shouts to him, Herschel, Reb Herschel, why don't you take off your strimal? It's getting a little hot in here, isn't it? So Herschel, he takes off his strimal. And that's a little better, but he's still feeling hot. So the Baal Shem Tov says to him, Herschel, you don't need to wear your coat in the house. It's very warm in here. Why don't you take off your coat? So Herschel takes off his coat, but he's still very warm and he's sweating. And he can't figure out why he's so hot when it's freezing outside. And so the Baal Shem Tov says to him, Rip Herschel, why don't you open the door and take a little walk outside in the cold? It'll cool you off a little bit and then come back in. And so Herschel opens the door and starts to walk outside. But the Baal Shem Tov says, Herschel, I'm warning you, don't stay out too long. It's very cold outside. So Herschel, he figures, okay, he won't stay out for too long. As soon as he gets outside, he feels such a sense of relief. But then, all of a sudden, he starts to get hot again. Can't understand it. He's outside in the snow, in the freezing cold. So he starts to walk a little bit. Ah, and walking, he feels the cold air on his face. And he feels a little better. But then he's hot again. So he starts to run. Ah, and that feels even better. And he's running faster and faster and faster. But the cold was really too much for him. And he passes out and he faints. Right there on the snow in the middle of the forest with no one around. And when Herschel wakes up, he's in someone else's bed, in someone else's home. He doesn't recognize where he is and he has no memory of what his name is or where he had been. Apparently he'd been sleeping for many days and his mouth was dry. He looks around for some water and he sees an old woman walks into the room. And when she sees that Herschel is awake... She shouts, he's awake, come, he's awake. And she calls her husband, he comes in and he sees Herschel laying in bed. And Herschel says, water, can I have a cup of water? So they give him a little bit of water and he drinks the water. And the old couple is standing there next to Herschel and they say, who are you? What's your name? Where are you from? And Herschel looks at them and he says, I don't remember. I don't remember anything. I don't remember my name. I don't remember where I'm from. And he said, where did you find me? They said, we found you passed out in the snow in the forest. You were passed out and it's lucky that we found you. Because had we not found you, you might have died, God forbid. And for two weeks you've been in a coma. And we didn't know if you'd ever come out. And here you are, you're awake. And we're so happy for you. So Herschel slowly gets out of bed. He starts eating. They give him some clothes. And Herschel and the couple, they start to speak. Since Herschel didn't remember his name... They gave him a new name. They called him Peter, Peter. And they said, you know, we'll call you Peter because it's like a nice, you know, Ukrainian name until you remember your name. But at least we'll have a name to call you. And if you remember your name, we'll call you whatever your name is. So he said, okay, call me Peter. And they said to him, you see that we're an old couple, right? He said, yeah. He said, we never had any children. And we run this farm all by ourselves. We could really use a hand. If you don't mind staying here, we'll be happy to give you a place to live. And some work. And it might be a win-win situation for both of us. 
So Herschel, not having any other options, not knowing where to go, remembering anything, he says, okay, I'll stay here and work on the farm. And Herschel worked on the farm for an entire year, through the winter, summer, and the next winter was coming. And the old man was in the town square and he saw that the Tsar's army is recruiting. And he comes back to the farm and he says to Herschel, you know, Peter, you're a great worker and we're very grateful to have you help us with our farm. But I know you have a lot of potential. You're very talented. You're very intelligent. I think you should go and volunteer for the Tsar's army. Who knows? You might become an officer. Who knows what connections you might make there? It could be really good for you. And Peter says, no, I couldn't leave the two of you behind. You need my help and you saved my life. And the couple says, no, please. We want you to make something of your life. Don't worry. If we have to, we'll sell the farm. We'll hire someone else. We'll figure it out. Please, go and join the Tsar's army. And who knows where it'll take you in life. So Peter goes to the town square and he signs up for the Tsar's army. And they ask him what's his name. And he doesn't remember his name. So he writes Peter. And they say, where are you from? And Peter really doesn't remember anything. So he decides to say he's from the farm and that the old couple are his parents. And Peter was an exceptional soldier. He picked things up really quickly. He was able to shoot a gun and he had the discipline and wore a uniform properly and understood military maneuvers and strategy. And battle after battle it was thanks to Peter, to Herschel, that his unit won. He saved many lives and was brave and inspired other soldiers. And so he was quickly promoted from rank to rank to rank. And many stories could be told about his great successes on the battlefield. Eventually he was promoted to a high officer. And for around 10 years, he served as a high officer. Until finally, he was promoted to a general in the Tsar's army. And Herschel, who was going by the name of Peter, he was in charge of the cavalry of 10,000 soldiers. And these were the cream of the crop. These were the finest soldiers in the Tsar's army. They were soldiers on horseback with swords. And Herschel was their commander. And one day he's on a mission and he passed by a village that reminded him of some place he had back in his memory. And all of a sudden everything came back to him. His name was Herschel. And he was a chassid of the Baal Shem Tov from Mezhibuz. And he wanted to learn black magic. Ah, he said to himself, Forget about black magic. Look at how far I've come. Look at what I've made of my life. I'm a general in the Tsar's army. And the Baal Shem Tov, he wanted to play games with me. I was interested in leaving Judaism. And he tried to stop me. And look at what I've become. So Herschel decided he was going to visit the Baal Shem Tov and show him what it is to be a general in the Tsar's army. He would show the Baal Shem Tov what true power is. He tells his soldiers, we're going on a three-day trip. Everyone pack up and let's go. And they ride through the day and through the night. For three days until they arrive in Mejibuz. When they arrive there, it's already late at night, totally pitch dark. But not for Herschel. He has 10,000 soldiers on horseback. And all of the soldiers had torches as well as their swords. So there he is in Mezhibuz. In the middle of the night, 10,000 soldiers surrounding the town. And Herschel shouts out to his soldiers, Raise your torches! And all of them pull out their torches off the back of the horse. 
And then Herschel lights his torch and connects it to the soldier on the left and the soldier on the right. And within a few minutes, 10,000 torches are surrounding the town of Mejibuz. It lit it up like it was daytime. And Herschel, he takes his horse and he rides to the house of the Heidegger Baal Shem Tov. And the horse, of course, is very high. The door is down below. So he kicks the door with his foot, with his booted foot, with a beautiful black leather boot that only generals in the Tsar's army had. And he kicks the door, but no one answers. So he kicks and he kicks again, and no one answers. So he gets off his horse, and he takes his sword, and he knocks the door with his sword. And he says, I demand that you open this door in the name of the Tsar. And he hears a voice behind the door saying, what did you say? And Herschel, he recognized the voice. It was the voice of the Baal Shem Tov. And he thought the Baal Shem Tov was playing games with him again. So he knocked even harder on the door. And he said, open in the name of the Tsar and see what becomes of a chassid that became a general in the Tsar's army. And the Baal Shem Tov, he opens the door and he grabs Herschel on his collar and he pulls him into the house and he closes the door. And he says, Herschel, what are you doing outside? Didn't I tell you not to stay out for too long? It's terribly cold out there, and it can be dangerous for you. And Herschel looks around the room, and he realizes that he'd gone back in time 20 years. Back to the same night when he was hot and sweating, and the Baal Shem Tov told him to go outside and cool off. And he realized that any black magic that he wanted to learn was nothing compared to the holy powers of the Heilige Baal Shem Tov. And that was enough for Herschel to finally do tshuva and remain amongst the Hasidim of the Heilige Baal Shem Tov until his final days. And whenever anyone would doubt the Baal Shem Tov's holiness, he would tell them his story. I have another story for you, this one of Reb Shner Zalman of the Adi, the Alter Rebbe. In the early years, he didn't give over long teachings, but rather short teachings. It was only in the later years, after 1798, that he started giving over the lengthy Ma'amarim discourses, which Chabad is known for. And one of these early short discourses was based on the Talmudic passage from Masechet Shabbat, which means that all of the animals that wear collars go out with a collar and are drawn by a collar. And what the Talmud is talking about related to Shabbos is when it's forbidden for a Jew to allow an animal that that person owns to carry anything from a private domain to a public domain. So an animal is not allowed to carry anything but the collar around the animal's neck is not considered caring, even if you're using it to draw the animal along. But the Hebrew for the word the Talmud uses for collar, share, also means song, sheer. And so Reb Shner Zalman interpreted the words of the Talmud to say, instead of all of the animals that go out with a collar and are drawn by a collar, ba'alei, a share, means the masters of song. 
meaning the souls and the angels go out in song and are drawn by song, meaning their going out is yearning for God and their drawing back is in order to fulfill the reason that they were created, and they do this by song and melody. Now, this was in the early years of the Hasidic movement when there was still a great deal of opposition to the Hasidim from many mainstream rabbis and scholars. And this latest teaching by Rabbi Schneer Zalman spread like wildfire throughout white Russia and Lithuania, and the opponents of the Alter Rebbe started making fun of him. They said, what kind of serious scholar would interpret a collar worn by animals to be the singing of souls and angels? No serious Torah scholar would say such a thing. And there was a particular city, Shklov, that was full of Torah scholars, and many of them opposed the Hasidim. And there were some small Hasidim in Shklov, and they were persecuted already by the Mesnagdim. But when word of this interpretation of the Talmud by Rabshner Zalman came out, the Hasidim in Shklov started to doubt their own Rebbe. They couldn't defend him in the face of the outrage and ridicule that was being thrown at them. They didn't know what to say. And Reb Schneer Zalman, he traveled quite a bit in order to spread his teachings. And one time he passed through Shklov, and many people wanted to come and visit the Rebbe. And many of the great scholars of the town came and presented him with many questions and difficulties that they had. Because even the Alter Rebbe's greatest opponents acknowledged that he was a great genius. And the Alter Rebbe listened attentively to all the questions put in front of him. And he would nod, but he didn't answer any of the questions which only made the scholars in Shklov make more fun of him, because here he finally came to defend himself, and instead of answering, he simply nods his head. So they decided they would really embarrass him. They invited him to give a lecture in the main Beit Midrash, in the central study hall, and the Alter Rebbe accepted. Some of the scholars came because they wanted to be able to laugh at the Alter Rebbe, and others came because they really wanted to hear an answer, and the large hall was filled. There was standing room only... People were standing outside the building as well. Almost all of the town's scholars were there. They were interested in what the Alter Rebbe had to say, but really, they wanted to present more questions to him. And everybody had heard that the scholars had come to the Alter Rebbe, and instead of answering their questions, he only nodded his head. And of course, everybody knew about the Alter Rebbe's unconventional interpretation of the passage about animals' collars on Shabbos. So Reb Schneer Zalman gets up to speak, and he says, all of those with shear go out with shear and are drawn with shear, meaning the masters of song, the souls and angels all go out in song and are drawn by song. They yearn for God and are drawn back to fulfill the purpose that they were created by means of song and melody. And then the Alter Ebi began to sing. became completely silent. Everybody was captivated by the melody, a melody of yearning, of going up and going down. And the Alter Rebbe continued to sing. And as the Alter Rebbe sang, every person in the room felt themselves transported and everyone went into a deep meditation. And slowly, people started to feel something changing within themselves. 
By the time the Alter Rebbe finished singing, all of the scholars felt that their questions had been answered. The confusing thoughts that they had, which prevented them from understanding the answer to their own questions, the doubts they had about the Alter Rebbe, all disappeared, all through the singing of the Alter Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe said, and this is the meaning of all of those that go out with a song, are drawn back with a song. The song allows a person to go up to God and to come back down and fulfill their purpose of their creation. And one of those scholars that was present in the study hall that day was one of the town's greatest prodigies, Rabbi Yosef Kolbo. And many years later, Rabbi Yosef said he came to the study hall that day with four extremely difficult questions. Questions that he put forth to all of the leading scholars in Slutsk and Vilna, and nobody could answer the questions. But when the Alter Rebbe began to sing, his mind started to open up, and slowly all of the answers fell into place. One by one, the questions fell away, and the answers revealed themselves. And he said, after the altar Rebbe finished singing, I felt like I was a newly born child, seeing the world for the first time. And that was the day that I became a chassid of the altar Rebbe. So you see, my sweetest friends, singing, connecting to Hashem on the soul level of a nigun, Never forget the power of singing to Hashem. Thank you so much for listening to you, all of my listeners. I hope you had a beautiful Chayalul. We're getting closer and closer to Rosh Hashanah. May Hashem bless everybody the good and sweet new year. I want to thank the Morovich family for sponsoring this episode in honor of their grandchildren, Michal and Yitzchak, which are getting married on the 20th of Elul. May they be blessed with Shalom Bayit, good health, Parnasa, and children that will cling to the Torah and learn lots of Hasidic stories. 
I'll share with you one of the big secrets of Shalom Bayit, of peace in the home. Always try to look at the good in one another and ignore the bad. It's very easy to look at the bad traits of somebody. It's hard to focus on the good. But as the Holy Rebbe Nachman teaches in the Zamra, in Reish Pebet, you focus on the good points, you can literally change a person and bring them from one side to the other. So I bless you that you'll always see the good in one another and always love one another. Be'ezrat Hashem. Thank you to all the sweet people that have sent in contributions through buying me a cup of coffee. And just for anybody who's wondering, where do all these contributions go? My wife and I, Baruch Hashem, as many people on Shabbos, as many guests as we can literally squeeze around the table, and your contributions go to pay for those Shabbos meals. So thank you to everybody who sent in a contribution, and thank you to everybody that listens. And my dream and my hope is that many more Jews will listen to these stories, because as you know, if you've been a listener for a long time, the stories inspire, and I want to inspire as many Jews as possible to come closer to Hashem. So if you know somebody who is not yet listening to the podcast, please make sure to share it with them. And thank you again for listening. And until our next episode next week, have a beautiful Shabbos, my sweetest friends, and powerful slichot, and take care of yourselves.